My name is Anthony Ania. I'm the managing member of Ania Scanlon and Serignano with offices in White Plains and Somers, New York. Uh, we are an elder law firm and Wills Trust and Estates firm. And uh, we have started a podcast, and this is the fifth episode of our podcast. And I'm pleased to have as our guest today, my partner, Sarah Myers, who is an attorney in the office and is an attorney that's been working with me for almost 15 years now. So Sarah is well experienced and well versed in matters regarding Medicaid. And what I thought would be a good idea would be to talk to Sarah about the Medicaid home care program, which is a program that we're very familiar with as we have many, many clients that apply for Medicaid home care. And we counsel them through the process and we actually handle the application. But I thought it'd be a good idea to explain to the clients and to the individuals, what is Medicaid home care? So Sarah, what is Medicaid home care? You know, Anthony, first, thank you for having me uh, join you on this podcast. Um, and I thought if it's okay with you, before answering what is Medicaid home care, talking a bit about one of the misconceptions about Medicare and home care, because people assume if they're over 65 and receiving Medicare, Medicare will pay for long-term care at home. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case. Medicare will only pay for short-term care at home for a skilled task. And if there is an unskilled need, for example, helping with grooming or hygiene or bathing, that's not a task that Medicare will help for. And therefore, Medicare won't cover the cost of care. So people then either have to private pay for long-term home care or look towards Medicaid to become eligible for Medicaid to pay for that care. Um, in terms of Medicaid and care, in New York State, we're very fortunate because Medicaid can cover up to 24-hour round-the-clock care. They, Medicaid will pay to have an aid in the house, one aid 24 hours a day, though that aid is, is entitled to some sleep. I believe New York's the only state in the country that has as broad and allows for that 24-hour care at home. And that home attendant can assist with the hygiene with the grooming, with feeding and, and cooking and the like. So in, in this uh, COVID age and, and since March of uh, 2020, you know, most seniors, especially those that have were living in nursing homes, were significantly impacted by COVID. And we all know the, uh, the grim statistics of the number of seniors that passed away while being a resident of a nursing home. Uh, to me, and it's always been the case that Medicaid home care is really the best option. If a senior could stay at home, it is much more desirable for the senior to live at home and receive care at home than it is to go into a facility. Uh, it just seems to me that it is a much more desirable position to be in. Again, there may come a time where the senior can no longer live at home and needs to go to a facility, but while they can, uh, I think it's the best option. What do you think, Sarah, in terms of? Yeah, I agree, Anthony. And, and we've seen, you know, I, I've been doing this, you know, working with you on Medicaid home care for almost 15 years and really been in the elder law field for about 25. And we've really seen that trend in terms of wanting to age in place. And if a person can stay home and be in their home with their spouse, with their family, or even in their home, which is a familiar environment to them, um, stay home, be able to stay in your community with your neighbors, with your friends local. And I think we've both seen 
that aging in place has become a little broader. We've seen a lot of assisted living uh, facilities coming in in Westchester and other parts of the state in many of the local counties and many of the local towns. So I really think also parting of the, part of aging in place, if a person can't be home or that home is just too expensive to maintain, staying in the community in an assisted living facility can really help as well. And we're very lucky because Medicaid can pay for home care in an assisted living facility. Medicaid won't pay for the room and board, but they can pay for the care. So it really becomes that added benefit of being somewhere that's safe, that's where the person has, has aged or raised that family, and also again, staying in that community, but getting the benefits of Medicaid paying for home care. I think a lot of times family members, they don't realize that moving a senior into a facility has a tremendous disruptive effect especially to a senior that already is on the cognitive decline. If they've had, for example, a diagnosis of dementia, whether it's moderate or mid-stage dementia, or even end-stage dementia, you know, when you go into a new facility, you have to be acclimated to that new facility. And that has a disorienting effect, that period of time before they're acclimated, if they can ever be acclimated to the facility. So yeah, I agree with you. There, there are many advantages to staying at home. And it appears that at least in New York, that the Medicaid program is structured in such a way as to entice people to continue to stay at home. There are basically incentives financially to be able to do that. And we know right now it's a great opportunity for individuals that need care at home to apply for Medicaid because of the basically delay of the implementation of the look back period for Medicaid home care. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and also the eligibility requirements for Medicaid home care? Sure, so I, I can say I was rather disappointed in the governor's budget last year, which imposed a look back period for Medicaid, Medicaid covered home care services. Traditionally, there's been a five year look back and that's on the federal level in all states for a person to be eligible for Medicaid to pay for nursing home care, that Medicaid looks back five years if there are any transactions that occurred, people giving away money prior to needing nursing home care. In New York State, which has the most robust home care program, there had never been a look back period for Medicaid home care. I can have some funds, gift them to my children, family members into a trust, and then the following month, I could be eligible for Medicaid to pay for my home care services. And I think that was a huge benefit because that kept people in the community. It kept people home. And if you look at it budget-wise, it's cheaper to have somebody in the community and pay for care than to pay for somebody for Medicaid to pay for somebody in a nursing home. So again, it kept, it kept them off the Medicaid nursing home rolls. Correct. That's what it did, yeah. Correct. And I, and I think the imposition of that look back period that was put in last year's governor's budget was really, it was wrong and was really going to harm seniors. Because also, as we know, it's so important to be able to age in place and stay home. And it's going to become more expensive for people to be able to age in place and be home. So the look back period was supposed to start last fall in 2020. However, due to COVID, the start, starting point of that look back period got extended first to January of, January of 2021. 
No, then first October. October of 2020, right. then January of 2021, April of 2021, July of 2021. And now we have word that it's been extended to January of 2022. The question we don't know is in last year's budget, it was going, the penalty period was going to start or count for all transfers after October 1st of 2020, and then implemented starting in January of 2021. However, due to COVID and the extension of this look back period or pushing it off now till January of 2022, we don't know if those transfers will still be retroactive to October of 2020, October of 2020, or those will be pushed later. But Anthony, I very much agree with what you said. I think right now we have a tremendous opportunity to be doing that Medicaid planning. And I even think, and I think we've seen this a lot in the office, if someone only needs four or six hours a day of care, traditionally the family would say, ah, we don't need so much care, it's okay, we can take care of it at home. But I think first to get out, to avoid that, new, that in, impending look back period, start getting care now. But also I think we've been seeing the earlier someone gets used to having care in the house, that four hours or six hours a day, they get used to somebody there. And as their needs continue, that amount of home care hours can grow with them. So right? as, as what happens is in essence, as you're declining physically, because when we talk about Medicaid home care, we're talking about an aide who comes and provides assistance with the activities of daily living, walking, dressing, feeding, bathing, toileting. And conceptually, the way it works is the more help you need with those activities of daily living, the more hours of care Medicaid will approve. So in, in getting the in the system, becoming part of the system, being part of the Medicaid process and being enrolled in Medicaid, even if you only need four to six hours a day of care is important, especially now that you would be going into the system without having a look back period and being eligible. The only thing that would happen as your condition, condition declines is to be able to get more Medicaid, to be reevaluated for an additional care. Is that correct? That's correct. And I think it's easier to get care now. And it's, if it's only four or six hours a day, Again, let's get into the system. And again, we've, we see it a lot that people are hesitant to put care in the house, but right. the more someone gets acclimated to that care, the more willing they are to then have more care. And I think we've also seen the earlier we can get care in place, the safer that person who needs care is. We have somebody there to make sure he or she's not falling or to be contact guarding, walking with them to prevent falls. And if we can prevent falls, more often than not, we prevent someone from going into a nursing home. Yeah, that's, you know, the, for, for most seniors, the, the biggest issue is their ability to walk, their, 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 uh, 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 the increased chance of them falling, and which ends up with a broken hip, a fractured back, and all these other conditions that basically now reduce their ability to be mobile. And that, of course, leads to more health issues. So keeping a senior active and mobile and having somebody there to ensure that they don't fall is a big plus of the Medicaid home care program. And, and talking about having somebody in the house, Anthony, what I also like about Medicaid home care, which unfortunately was paused due to COVID, 
is that Medicaid will pay for a day program. So if a person has dementia, they qualify for some Medicaid home care. Most counties, most towns have day programs for the senior to go to, and there's programming, there's stimulation. And what I like about it first is it gets the senior out of the house. Also for someone with dementia, if we're home, if they're home 24 seven and every day looks like the same day, there's a more rapid decline because one day blurs into the next and there's not as much stimulation. When a senior you're paid for by Medicaid can go to a day program, it helps the person get out of the house. It makes them be, it forces them to get dressed. It also forces some kind of socialization because they're around people and it gives that schedule. So again, certain days, they know they're getting out of the house and provides that schedule and stimulation. And what's good about it too, is it gives the well spouse time to breathe and maybe run some errands or have some alone time. So I think it's a benefit to the mental health of that healthy spouse who, as we know, we need to keep healthy. Yeah, that's, you know, that another big concern is when you have family members, a, a spouse that's taking care of an ill spouse, there tends to be burnout. Yeah. That the well spouse gets fatigued by the constant providing of care. And then at the end of the day, they end up being sick and needing care as well. So keeping one of the spouses healthy, allowing that spouse to have socialization, to get out of the house and to be able to do things is another plus of getting the home care aid in place. So let's talk about the actual financial eligibility test. And then maybe we'll touch about uh, on the activities of daily living. So tell, tell the audience what the financial eligibility is for Medicaid home care. And my apologies, I think we ran off on a tangent, but I thought it was, it was a helpful yeah. one. In terms of Medicaid home care or Medicaid in general, in New York State for this year, for 2021, the asset limit is $15,900 in what's called non-retirement monies. So your, your bank account, your brokerage account, your non-retirement monies, and not including your house, um, you cannot have more than $15,900. Again, retirement monies are protected as well as your home, which is your primary residence. Um, if we have a husband and wife situation or a, a, husband, a, you know, a couple situation who are married, if, what, well, if, we can, if it's okay with you, Anthony, we'll have the husband who is sick and the wife being healthy to just be able to generalize. Right. If he needs Medicaid and Medicaid home care, he can move, we can move all of the non-retirement assets from the husband to the wife to get his Medicaid asset limit down to that $15,900. If the accounts are joint accounts, it's very easy to move those funds over or else we look to see if there's a power of attorney and to make sure that power of attorney allows for gifting to be able to take the funds out of the ill spouse's name and move them to the well spouse. If there's whole life insurance, we'd also have to change the owner, not the beneficiary or the insured, but the owner of the policy from the Medicaid applicant spouse to the well spouse as well. So let me, let me kind of summarize. So we have basically in terms of non-IRA assets, you can have no more than $15,900. You can have your house, your primary residence, which they refer to as the homestead. And, and then you can have income. And the amount of income you can have is basically $904 per month. Now, most of you are saying, well, 
can't live on $904 a month, can't live on $15,900. But the way the program is structured is that if, for example, you have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, you can transfer those hundreds of thousands of dollars to your spouse. Your spouse would need to do spousal refusal for you to get Medicaid in many instances, or if they are willing to, they can also transfer the assets they have out of their name at this time and apply for Medicaid only for you. So husband and wife, right now, while there is no look back period for Medicaid home care, can transfer their assets to an irrevocable trust. They can transfer them to a, the children. They can basically transfer them to anybody they want and they will not disqualify themselves for nursing home Medicaid. So if you want to avoid doing spousal refusal, which many instances leads to Medicaid filing a claim against the refusing spouse and possibly suing the refusing spouse, one way to avoid that is by having both the husband and wife, even though they may not both need Medicaid nurse home care to get the assets out of their name, the non-retirement assets. And again, the house, because the house could end up being what's called a probate asset, an asset that's in your name alone when you die, then you don't want Medicaid to have a claim or a lien against the house. So it is also advisable to transfer the house out of your name. So conceptually, what we're doing is we're getting assets out of your name, either to your children or into an irrevocable trust where you have the right to live in the house, you pay all your bills just like you're paying now, and you get the STAR exemption, the senior citizens exemption, the STAR exemption. If the house is sold, you get the personal residence exclusion, $250,000 from capital gains if you're single, 500,000 from capital gains if you're married. In effect, when you transfer your house to an irrevocable trust, nothing really changes other than you're starting the look back period. So if there is a home care look back period of 30 months in the future, you would start the look back period on that. There's going to be a five year look back for nursing home Medicaid. We know that, so we're starting that as well. We're starting the process of protecting assets. And in the case of the home care applicant, we're actually getting them Medicaid, okay? Is that yeah. accurate, Sarah? Yeah, but I, I think you raised an excellent point, which I don't think we've touched on. We spoke a, a little bit ago about giving the well spouse a little bit of breathing room. Right. It's incredibly important for the well spouse to be doing estate planning as well, because again, unfortunately, we've seen this, that the well spouse predeceases the ill spouse. No and question. We want to make sure those, she, you know, if, if it's the, the wife is the well spouse, that she's done appropriate estate planning. So upon her passing, there isn't a probate estate and we don't have to worry about Medicaid saying, you know, Medicaid at Medicaid spouse is entitled to a third of her estate. And you'll elaborate on that in, in a minute. We wanna be able to protect the estate assets from going to that spouse who's on Medicaid. Um, so again, it's so important to, for the well spouse to be doing that estate planning as well. It sounds like you, the bottom line is that you're always in a better position if you've gotten assets out of your name and you've started the clock running towards protecting those assets. Whether you're doing advanced Medicaid planning or you're doing it in a moment of a crisis, like now a, a couple comes to us and one spouse needs Medicaid home care. Well, 
we could move the assets from the ill spouse to the well spouse and have the well spouse do spousal refusal, but that leaves them exposed to a possible claim by Medicaid for the value of services provided by Medicaid. So in many instances, it just makes more sense for the well spouse to move assets out of their name and into the irrevocable trust as well. That way, they're both doing Medicaid planning, and that's really critical. The sooner you start to shelter your assets from the cost of long-term care, the more assets we'll be able to protect. The longer you wait to start that process and you wait into your 80s to do it, well, you're running a risk that before the look-back period expires, five years, that you could need nursing home Medicaid. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose everything, but if we have the proper documents in place, such as a power of attorney, we can always protect at least 45 to 50% of your savings. But we'd rather be in a position where we're giving you the opportunity to protect literally all of your life savings uh, from the cost of long-term care. And that's what Medicaid planning is. It's advanced planning to ensure that you're protecting your assets so that all of your assets are not going towards the cost of long-term care and that you're in a position to access the Medicaid long-term care program, whether it be home care or nursing home. So 15,900 uh, as the resource and 904. Well, what's great about Medicaid home care in New York is that if you have income above 904, they allow you a way of protecting that income. Sarah, why don't you expand on that a little bit? Sure, so when a person is on Medicaid in the nursing home, their income has to get paid to the nursing home, less what's called a $50 personal needs allowance and perhaps a stipend or a little bit of income going to the community spouse. What happens when a person is on Medicaid home care, any income above $904 is known as surplus income or excess income. So if a person's income is $2,904, their surplus is $2,000. So they have a person that has two options. They can pay their surplus to Medicaid. So every month they can write a check to Medicaid for $2,000. But unfortunately then you're losing $2,000 that you could have had to pay for your house, household and monthly expenses. So a much, much better alternative is the use of a pooled trust. There are about 10 or 15 pool trusts run by various nonprofits throughout the state, and they run these surplus income pooled trust programs. And what we can do is enroll in an individual in one of the pool trusts. Each month, they would send their $2,000 surplus income to the trust. Many of the trusts take a monthly fee, anywhere from $250 a month to 10% of the deposit, depending on the pool trust. And then the net monies in the, that account are then can be used to pay for the person's con ed bill, their rent, their monthly maintenance, the co-op fees, their present credit card bill. So it's a very good way to protect that surplus income so you're not losing it and having it paid toward Medicaid. So the administrative fee that the pool trust charity charges is 10% up to a maximum of 250 or 200. So it depends on the pool trust. Right. Each pool trust has a different fee structure. Some depend on what the monthly deposit is. Others are a flat fee. Others are a percentage. Um, there are a number of trusts that we use, pool trusts that we use that we like. 
Uh, we like to look at what their fee schedule is, but most importantly, because we, want, we, we like to protect and we wanna make sure our clients are satisfied to really make sure the pool trust has good customer service and is responsive to our clients. Yeah. But in short, each month you make the deposit in, they also can create automatic bill pay from then your pool trust account, again, to pay those recurring monthly expenses. So to summarize, in essence, if you're enrolled in the Medicaid home care program, you basically can protect virtually all of your income. Your income can be used to pay your expenses, food, clothing, taxes, insurance, cable, even home care that's not covered by Medicaid. The only thing that you cannot use your surplus income for is alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. A fantastic deal. Again, this shows the breadth of the an expansion of the New York Home Care Medicaid program. When I started practicing law uh, 35 years ago, the program for Medicaid home care was not nearly as good as what it is now. And most people, because of the requirements to get Medicaid home care, were often forced to go to a nursing home. Today, that's not the case. Uh, I would say that 90% of all applicants for Medicaid that we handle are now Medicaid home care applicants. And another part of the expansion of this program uh, to be a lot more inclusive is now this part of the program where you can hire as the aid, a family member. And it's called the Community Self-Directed Medicaid Program. Sarah, give us a little bit of insight on that, not without going into all the complexities and weeds of it. Sure, so it's also called CDPAP. And what happens is this, once a person has been financially approved for Medicaid, they can enroll with a managed long-term care provider to then have an aid come from an agency. As an alternative, you can hire a child, a family member, a friend, just not a spouse, to be that home attendant for you. So when it's determined how many hours of home care you're approved for, let's say 40 hours a week, instead of then having an agency send an aide to cover that 40 hours a week, you can enroll your family member other than your spouse in the consumer directed program and that individual can provide the home care services for you. Um, I use the example of the 40 hours because it is only 40 hours per home attendant, either being through an agency or consumer directed because no one Medicaid won't pay anyone overtime. Uh, but again, I happen to really like the consumer directed program. And we also saw, especially starting a year ago when um, COVID became the, you know, the most common word in our households was that people were concerned about having home attendants coming in and out of the house. Um, so then, and also unfortunately, many people lost their jobs and moved home to enable a person then to be that home attendant for their parent or their loved one and be paid by Medicaid in order to do so. So the, the, the only catch with that program is that if you're going to go this self-directed route, you, the consumer, the person that is going to be hiring the aid are responsible for the hiring, firing, and training of the aid. And more importantly, you're responsible for backup. So if Medicaid is going to approve one aid for 40 hours a week, and you've been approved for a total of 60 hours or 70 hours, either you can go get a, another individual or you may have to be the backup. 
having the backup available is often a, a problem with the program because it generally means another family member. And you can't just call Medicaid if your family member doesn't show up. You have to you have that arrangement in place that there's going to be a backup. But again, a very good program. An, another example of how generous New York is on its Medicaid program, the Medicaid home care. But remember, they have a selfish interest for being generous in that the more you stay at home, they're less they're spending on a nursing home. I don't, I don't know if most people realize that if you're in a nursing home today and paying privately to be in that home in Westchester County, it's going to be anywhere between $550 a day to $600 a day. It rapidly shot up from $475 a day to $525. And recently I was looking at a nursing home bill and to my surprise and dismay, I said, wow, this is really $600 a day. And it's a good nursing home, but it's not what I would say the top nursing home in the county. So these prices are continuously escalating. And if you can't ex you know, have access to the Medicaid nursing home program or the Medicaid home care program, it's all an out-of-pocket expense for you. You have to pay for it yourself. And there are very few people that can afford to spend $18,000 a month. So if you have one spouse who's living at home in the community and the other spouse has developed dementia or any other illness that requires long-term care, well, they're going to be in a facility and having to spend $18,000 a month. And that's a lot of money. It, it can really literally bankrupt one's family. So doing the planning in advance and knowing how to access the program, especially home care Medicaid and nursing home Medicaid, are very important. Sarah, any other final thoughts that you may have? Um, and again, I think we're circling back to the beginning, um, but I think in the, the ability to age in place and stay home and not impoverish oneself and be able to utilize the Medicaid home care program, you know, we're gonna see people living longer at home and healthier with fewer falls, with fewer needs for hospitalization when able to use the Medicaid home care program. Um, and again, it was interesting. I was just reading an article the other day where there was an issue about uh, pill dispensing and individuals with dementia. And you know that there's that push to keep people home and someone was able to create a pill dispenser that notified the in individual with a cognitive impairment to, you know, it would beep, it would open that one pill to take it. And then it would notify a family member if that pill wasn't taken. And again, I think we're seeing so much more of that, what's called durable medical equipment. Right. And what many more of those technologies in order to keep people home and keep people home safely. Well, also with telehealth. I mean, yeah. during this COVID pandemic, we've seen, you know, the telehealth industry, you know, completely expand. It's not unusual now for a senior to be in their home and to be in communication with their doctor and the doctor's asking them questions about their condition. You know, you have these machines now, you put your finger down on something and it's measuring your pulse, your heart rate, et cetera. So look, it's, it, it doesn't substitute for having an in-person visit with a doctor, but I won't be surprised if in the future we have a lot more gerontologists as, as physicians and we're gonna see more doctors doing home visits. I think that that's gonna happen naturally. Because if there's gonna be less seniors in nursing homes, right? Well, that leaves the options to either an assisted living facility 
an independent living facility or their home. I mean, those are the options. So I think, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're at the point now where we're going to see some more dramatic change in how healthcare is doled out to seniors. I think that's going to be a, a result of the COVID pandemic. And I think all the deaths in the nursing home has made many family members very, very leery, leery of bringing their, their, their loved one to a nursing home. With all due respect, there are a lot of excellent nursing homes out there. It's just that, you know, if a disease like COVID spreads so rapidly, well, the same thing generally happens with the flu, right? You know, you could see that, you could see a, 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 on an annual basis, a lot of seniors who are in a nursing home, they get sick with the flu. Well, for some of those seniors, that could be deadly, so. And no nursing home was spared, not the, no. not the expensive ones, not the less expensive ones. No. No. And again, we want to protect our loved ones. And if it's medically appropriate, yeah, aging in place, staying home with home care and living out last days at home, I think we've provided, like, I think that's a real blessing to a family. Yeah. And I think if there's a way to do it, let's do it. And it's, and it's a home run, especially between now and December 31st of this year, when there's no look back period. Yes. Right? That, that's really a home run for many, many seniors. So if you're in a situation now where you see a loved one struggling with activities of daily living, there really is no need to struggle. Uh, it's time to consult with an elder law attorney about becoming eligible for Medicaid home care. Sarah, thank you very much. Uh, this was uh, very informative and uh, I think our audience uh, will get a lot out of this. Thank, thank you for you inviting me. Thank you, have a great day. You too, thanks.